The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Everybody, it's great to see you in the house of God. I trust you are blessed and encouraged. Well, I don't know, you might have had a challenging week, it might have been a normal week, it might have been an abnormal week. Whatever, you're in the house of God, so this is a good week. It's certainly a good way to start today by being in God's presence. And I just want to declare over you, I know I've said it before, but I want to declare over you again, God loves you. He is interested in you. He is concerned about you. He wants to help and strengthen you. He knows, he knows what you're going through. He hasn't forgotten about you. He still remembers you. And he who is able to bring Israel out of captivity in Egypt into their own land, he is the same God today who is able to help you. When we read in scriptures, we read of impossible situations that are faced by people and individuals. Not difficult situations. I didn't say difficult. I said impossible situations. And God comes through in impossible situations. He has done before, he will do again, and he is able to help us. So let's be encouraged with that. Now, I'm, that's my service. I wanted to get my little bit in today. <laughs> it's actually a privilege. David, please come up here. We've got David Dixon who's going to come and speak to us this morning. I'm very pleased to say to you that I first met David at one of the uh, Transform Bromley Borough breakfasts. In fact, it was the first one we had. He came up and spoke to me, and he was there. Uh, because uh, Inspector Gary Byfield, who's the inspector that helps us to have, use the Warren, and he's a Christian, he goes up to Biggin Hill Church, um, he had been linking with Gary because his work is all about the Breakthrough Trust, it's all about bringing ex-offenders back into full-time employment in this borough. That's what encourages me about This is happening in this borough. This is something that is involved in where we are at. And as a church, and uh, you know we're involved with wanting to see the borough transformed and wanting to see the churches come together in the borough, this is just a mission that's happening. This is work that's happening amongst ex-offenders, and it's something we need to hear about. Because you know what? We meet people through Curry Union. We meet people on the doorstep. We meet all sorts of people that have all sorts of issues, and it helps us to know the community of people, what's going on, so that we can be encouraged and know who to connect people to. So... Please uh, receive David, I know you will, and be encouraged by him as he shares with us this morning. David, thank, you, thank you, thank you. I can see you all smiling already, so I, I really, I generally do feel encouraged. And before I forget, I just want to thank Jonathan as well and his team, because they've been so welcoming, uh, and we use your premises upstairs for meetings. So Jonathan, thank you so, so much. Um, before we started, after, when I saw the video... I thought to myself, I'm compelled to read this scripture to encourage us. And I know you know it well, but I think, do you know what, sometimes we can take for granted stuff we're so familiar with. So this is what I'm reaching, you know it well, I'm sure. It's in Romans 8, and it says, and this is for us this morning, for I'm convinced 
that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing created, nothing, not any, whatever, whatever we can think out, no matter what we can think of, there's nothing can separate us from that love. And that, when I was watching this video about you know groups of people who are going through life, they're going through challenges. Uh, for me as well, I could so identify with it, and I hope you do too with my story. So I'm going to see. Let's see where this goes. Uh, Jonathan's let the cat out of the bag. I'll work on a project that works with ex-offenders. And Rick, do you want to put the first... I remembered his name. I'm terrible with names. Thanks, Rick. He's just got this likeable face. <laughs> and this is what I wanted to start off with. One of those scriptures that we can be so over-familiar with, but I want it to sink into us this morning. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to seek it. He's seeking now. Here we are. We've got family members that may not be here, but he's still seeking for them. Yes. He's still seeking for them. So be encouraged this morning. Um, the charity that was started up a year ago, as Jonathan said, is called the Breakthrough Trust. I felt probably about two, two and a half years ago on my heart about doing the work in Bromley. I was working on uh, a charity in North London, a little bit busier than Bromley, to say the least. So it's kind of Tottenham area, uh, Woodgreen and all that, you know, Hackney. Uh, and, and I do mention, as you can tell by my accent, I wasn't brought up in Hampstead or anywhere like this. So you'll have to adjust with my kind of loose style of communication. But nonetheless, it was very active and very different. And when I was in Bromley, I felt, I just wish I want to do something local. I didn't even dream that I would be standing here today saying to you that we have a charity set up called the Breakthrough Trust and that here I am. And this is the wonders of what God does in such a short space of time. I would not have dreamed it, but that's what he's doing. Uh, and for us all as well, there's purpose and plan for us. So the Breakthrough Trust, like I said, the reason why I set up, I was seeing the need in this local community, and I was on the verge of being made redundant. So I started looking a little bit more, and I thought, surely this is Bromley. They're not kind of short of a couple of quid, the council. There's probably lots of stuff in place. I'm searching, and I'm searching, and I'm not finding anything at all. You have statutory services, social services, and probation. They're kind of doing little bits and pieces, because, you know, they should do, but no one else is doing this work. That led me then to another thought about the church and about our responsibility. Um, and I thought, well, as part of my other church, the way this project works, simply this, and because of the short space of time, I want to mention about the project, and I just want to share my testimony of what God's done in my life. So the project is ultimately helping ex-offenders into employment. That's what it's all about. And what we do, we take this, what we call a holistic approach, so, uh, as you can see, I'm a very complex individual. My wife will uh, confirm this. Uh, we, you know, there's many, many needs that an ex-offender has. There could be drug issues. There could be housing issues. There could be debt issues. 
There could be family issues. There could be attitude issues. There's all these things that prevent and put barriers in front of people that are brought up in a certain environment that they'll gravitate towards crime. So I want to tackle all those areas. And I'm replicating this project from North London. When I was in the church, I'm meeting people that works in housing. I'm meeting counsellors. I'm meeting employers. I'm meeting people that want to mentor. We should know about these things, being disciples, shouldn't we? Is that what we're about? Yeah. We're called to make disciples. Mentoring is getting along one another, encouraging, taking each other on that journey. As my old boss said, we're just beggars showing other beggars where to get bread. We're just beggars showing other beggars where to get bread. And sometimes I think it's good and helpful for us to remember that um, I know if I asked you all, would you be offended by an ex-offender or an offender? Everyone would say, no, no, of course not. But I could say, well, you know, I brought one guy in who's sitting next to someone here, and he's a murderer. Oh, I can see some of you looking a, a little bit nervous right now. <laughs> you really are, aren't you? I'm joking, of course. But, you know, these are the type of people that we're meeting. People have committed serious offences. But in their life, they don't have an alternative. They don't know any different. So my thinking is, how can I remain um, secular... Because in the future, we need to put in for a bit more bigger funding so we can you know, operate and really reach out in every area and remain with that spiritual flow. And like I said, I looked at my old church and thought, God, you know, as Irenaeus, one of the church fathers said, we're the hands and the feet of God. He calls us to reach in to our community. We're not here just to enjoy that. It's a lovely building because I've been here a few times, nice and warm. We've been very looked after. But we're here to reach out to seek and save that which is lost. And you've all been given gifts, and so have I. So through these pathways, you may be sitting here and you may be an employer. If you haven't seen someone as an ex-offender Go through that transition, being raw, off the street, bit rugged, swears a lot. Get past it, it's all right, don't worry. But once you see someone go through that transition and they get it, they get it, they get hold of it, they get hold that there is an alternative. And then you see them start to behave so differently. When I see that, I see that. I see Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the... That's what it's all about, isn't it? And that's what we're here to do, is to bring that renewal. So it's a no-brainer for me to connect with all the churches. I'm a believer myself, an ex-offender myself. So that's the part of the project. And there is a lovely lady over there who is my wife, called Jay. She'll be over there. There's like, um, we've got volunteer forms and stuff like that so you can sign up. And I'll tell you the areas where we really want support in is mentoring, um, 
mental health, employers, and giving. I'm not going to bang on about the giving because God has already told me that he's going to take care of that. So you know the formula. We're in church, right? It's good to give, of course. And there's Jasmine over there. And I did say, I did mention that I might mention Jasmine, and I, and I think it's only right. And she's given me permission to do so. You know, this is, you know, unfamiliar ground for Jasmine. She's not a church girl. She's a full-time mother, doing a full-time job, doing a full-time course in criminal psychology, and she's volunteered for the Breakthrough Trust. Sorry? I'm, I'm, is anyone born again in this place? Am I not preaching to the converted? Why am I saying that? It's because it's the heart. It's the heart. This is what's happening. And it's my prayer that God is speaking to some of you guys today. It's my prayer that we can look out of our building, look out of our circumstances, and be a part of that transition. And yes, because we are a secular project, it's not kind of spiritual. Like I said, we, we need to be wise in how we do it. I'm not, I can assure you, ashamed of the gospel. I constantly preach the gospel and share my testimony. I have no issue with that. I do it with wisdom as well. So that's why you guys come in. And you can do it with wisdom too. Remember, we're light. We're light. And again, we know the analogies. There are probably hundreds that we can use. We can switch all these lights off, put a little tiny light there, and wherever you put that light, it affects the darkness, right? That's right. And that's what we are. That's right. Wherever you put that light, it affects the darkness wherever it goes. So that's kind of the project, and we, we'd love your support. And like I said, we are, we're building these relationships in community, and I've, I'm going to uh, other churches as well. And Baptist Church went to last week. Going to like a church, church of England church. And these ones, I'm like, wow, this is new for me. But I feel that God is coming back. Jesus is coming back for a church that is not divided. He's coming back for a body, not a part of it. He's not coming back for a Baptist arm. He's not coming back for a Methodist arm or a Pentecostal or a Charismatic and all the other stuff. He's coming back for a body. And I so believe that there will be that time where we see denominations as what they are. They're barriers. They're barriers to getting on, of doing the job, of loving God and loving people. Simple. That's what he's called us to do. That's the summing up, you know, the clever lawyer, what must I do to be saved? Come on, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and strength. Love your neighbours yourself. Done. That is the fulfilment of this book. I'm not saying, like, don't read it anymore. Like, that's it. But that is the fulfilment of this book. And I'm going to read a scripture in a second. But let me ask you one question. Are you any different to an ex-offender? I ask. Think about it. Are you any different to an ex-offender? But for the grace of God, there go I. So let me ask you how your pasts compare to an ex-offender. So I'm just going to write, write, read out a couple of things just to put it into perspective. Because sometimes, like I said, we can sit and think, oh man, I don't know, what, what common ground can I find with this person? I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you common ground right now. So, for, I'm sure this is divine. I don't need my glasses. I can see it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I really can. I, I, okay, speak too soon. Goodness, where am I? Well, let's look at a, a, an ex-offender ex story, a little bit of their past. They've committed a crime. That was me. 40 of them. 
Don't judge me. They stood before a judge and they were convicted rightfully for their crime. The crime that I received was punishable and progressed into prison, took me into prison. And once I served my time, I was released and I'm regarded now as an ex-offender. Ex-offender. There's hope for us. So what about the believer's story? What about your story? Well, just a couple of parallels. As much as I've committed a crime, so have we. We've committed a crime against the institution that God set up, and that's his law. Before we was a believer, we were breaking and violating <coughs> God's law. So welcome to the group of... Ex- the, of offend- now you're an offender. You're an offender now. Stand before guilty. Is there any man or woman that could stand before God and say everything's right? Anyone dare to stand before the Lord Almighty and say that we have a righteousness of our own? There was one man, wasn't there? I'm sure you know the parable well, who had his own clothes on. And Jesus said, you're not dressed right because he come in with his own righteousness. None of us can go in with our own righteousness. So we all stand before God, guilty as charged. Oh, this seems a bit harsh. Um, and for violating God's law, the crime and the punishment is what? Well, yeah, it could go there, that death. The soul that sins lives. I told you I've come to cheer you up today. It gets better, trust me. I really want us to get hold of this reality. And a little bit of a reminder. And you know what? To this day, every one of us are still reoffending. But, however, because of what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, done, that he left where he was, the Son of God, before the foundations of the earth saw the need. And I'm sure as the Trinity was putting everything together, said, what if it goes wrong? What if something happens? Because of God who he is, he gives free will, that we can make a choice. And then I can imagine the Son of God saying, oh God, I'll give myself as a sacrifice. I'll make it right. And that's why we so often, again, can sing, and I love the presence of God in this place. Worship was fantastic. And it just reminds me how wonderful God is, being amongst you and celebrating who he is. But we celebrate what Jesus Christ has done. God as a man. Now we can stand before him. Righteous, because we're clothed with a righteousness that's not mine, it's his. That's my assurance. And not only that, if that wasn't good enough, the Spirit of God is with us, no? To strengthen us, to anoint and enable us to do the job. That's what the anointing's for. That's what the gifting's for. God's given us the ability to do his work, his way.
not our way. So let me uh, read the scripture. Again, you know it well, I love it. It's a great one when I first read it. Isaiah 61.1. I love this scripture. The scripture when I first read it, I was celebrating. The spirit of the Lord God is, I'm going to change it a little bit. I hope you don't mind. Don't stun me. The spirit of the Lord God is upon us. Because the Lord has anointed us to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent us, the church, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives. This is a good one for me. And freedom for prisoners. Freedom for prisoners. And you know the thing that I saw a lot in church? And this is the, the lies and the work of the enemy, is to stop us from reaching out to our community, is to put <coughs> us behind bars. Do you know something about the picture? If you've been in the prison cell, was it, Jonathan? That's right, it's on the outside. And that's why I stuck that picture up there, because I, I believe that there will be that time where everyone in the church will be set free. Because there's too many people that the enemy has bound up in the church. There's too many people still not able because of what they're believing the enemy's saying about who you are, your identity in Christ. Because we're so used to having something tagged on, something given. Grace is so wonderful. And it's sometimes hard for us to comprehend about that grace. I, I felt lucky and privileged when I read those who are forgiven much love much I was like man I've done some bad stuff I've really done some bad things I'm not proud of um, and I'm going to share some of that with you only just again like I said for my I have to tell you now 49, 49 years of life I'm just going to share a couple of stories of hope again like I said at the beginning that if you feel um, that you're praying for someone that you know that you love and you just think, nothing's happening. God is able to meet them. He knows about them. He's not looking for information. You realise that, right? Don't have to say where the address is. God knows where they are. Please, can you go to Max? He lives at 24 Eden Way. I'm praying for him. God's like, well, thanks for that. That's helpful. I guess I'll pop over there then. That's where he is then. He knows already. And I can assure you, if... Someone said to me the day before I gave my heart to Jesus Christ that I would be standing here, setting up a charity, doing this stuff, telling people about Jesus, I would have laughed my head off the day before. There was no inkling that God was reaching out. If you're familiar with the Engel scale, it was only then that when I got saved and the Spirit of God showed me back, I was like, there, 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 there. And one of those theirs I'm going to share with you today. Um, in a nutshell, I was brought up in a, um, uh, a quite a uh, dysfunctional family. It wasn't that environment where you felt really, really loved. My mum done, you know, a good job. My dad didn't really do a job at all. So I, as a boy, as a, as a young boy growing up, I don't ever remember, you know, my dad holding me up, looking me in the eyes, as I see some fathers do. Especially in church, you see this, this, there's this love, genuine. 
Ah, oh, this beautiful love. I remember walking through Crystal Palace Park, probably 13, 14 years old, and I saw this picture of a guy holding up his son. Now, bear in mind, I'm a non-believer, right, at this point. I wanted to go and hit him. Now, you may find that quite shocking, and I found it quite shocking as well, because I thought oh, I felt this instant rage and anger because I saw a picture of this father and the son smiling. The kid was lit up, and the dad was like, oh, wow. And something was communicated to me in that moment, something that I was lacking, something that I wanted, but something that I felt was unattainable. I thought it was very much out of reach for me. So I was brought up in a kind of quite a difficult, my dad was quite strict. So I'm sure you're like getting a point on that one. And you are used to the environment that you're in. I didn't know any different. I went to a friend's house when I was, um, I, th I think, probably 12, 13 years old, invited to dinner, a lovely middle-class family, brought up in a council estate, Annalee. Nothing wrong with that, though. No. Don't worry about that. But the reason why I'm sharing that is because something happened that day that totally blew my mind. And I, for the first time, realised that something wasn't right. Something was wrong. I was at a family's house just having dinner. That was it. The, the father was asking his son, Darren, how was your day today? What happened, son? How was that, son? Oh, well done, son. That's fantastic. And then, you know, there was this conversation going on until it turned to me. David, how was your... And I was startled and stunned because I don't get that home. Dad, you know, didn't ask about my day. So I was... Ah! I felt like a, a little kid in a sweet shop. Wow, look, oh, what about my day? And I, I just felt <coughs> this connection of love from a man that's not my father. Instant. This instant connection of this sense of, wow, is that what it's meant to feel like? It wasn't a great big hug or, you know, he didn't pick me up by then, he probably couldn't anyway, I wasn't that big done. He didn't look into my eyes and say, oh, you're a great friend of my son or whichever. But something happened that caused a chain reaction in my heart that day. And I rebelled totally. My parents divorced. And when I was 13 years old, I went into a children's home. And I, as a 13-year-old boy, I made a commitment to myself. Now, bear in mind, I'm 13. It wasn't really that clever. Um, I, I said to myself, I am going to cause as much trouble as I can. I'm going to get arrested as much as I can. I'm going to break the law as much as I can. Because something now is happening. You're hurting inside, but you don't know that. So the only way that I could get rid of it was by hurting someone else. There's a saying, people who are hurting hurt people. If you're hurting, you hurt people. So what do we do with it? So I went through like years, my teen years, going in and out of institutions. Um, I got saved when I was 23 years old. But when I was 17, my first experience, um, which was uh, wonderful. It's wonderful now because I understand it. It wasn't at the time because I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. And that's why I'm going to use this story because for those who are praying, for those that are hoping, for those that are on their hands and knees, maybe you're 
feel that, Lord, how many times can I pray this prayer for whoever it is? Maybe your many tears you have shed. Maybe you've got to that point where you think, it's not going to happen. It's free will after all, right? Of course it is. But nothing is wasted. Amen. Nothing is wasted. I was sentenced to um, an 18-month sentence. I was in Rochester prison. Um, I'd gone out to a service, church service, not to know anything about God, but because, you know, you go there and things are exchanged, because it's the only time that you can go somewhere where all the wings come together. And obviously the officers know that they're everywhere. So you try and somehow shuffle stuff to and fro. And it was my neighbour who said, oh, come along, come along. I was like, oh, okay, I don't, I'm not sitting around. And there was a couple of things that really took my mind and shook me up a little bit. There was a Pentecostal church in that day, all amazingly dressed and... I was watching this lady, this black lady, as they were singing about Jesus being crucified. I remember it. I can almost visualise it. And then there are the things where God, where Spirit of God gets your attention. And she was crying, crying and crying when they were talking about Jesus, sobbing. I could see the streams of tears going down her face. I was getting more and more spiritual. Of course I wasn't. I was getting upset. I felt so angry. Why is this woman crying? What is the matter with you? I thought anyone who has any connection to spirituality was weak. Because, you know, you've had a tough life. Been homeless, slept under bridges, been in many a police station, hungry, call must identify with Paul. Hungry, all this type of stuff, beaten. I've got a lot of that from the police. If you're a police officer, I know it's like swings and roundabouts. I've got mine in as well. Lord forgive me. I have, I've repented. Um, but nonetheless, I, I saw this lady, this emotion, and I felt this anger. But surprisingly, as the surface went on, I felt this anger turn to curiosity. I felt this curiosity and this overwhelming sense that I wanted to know more. So the chaplain turned around and said, um, if you want to know more, put your name on a little piece of paper, stick it in a little box, and we'll come and have a little chat with you. We'll tell you what it's all about. And as I walked out with my neighbour, six foot seven guy called Terrorist, and a few others, I felt it was a bit inappropriate, and it wasn't the right time. So I, I wandered off to my cell, and the door was shut. Five minutes later, I can obviously explain it now, the Spirit of God filled that cell to such a degree, it was like touching something tangible. If he would have let me, I'm sure I could have moulded something. It was tangible. And before I knew it, I was on the floor, just crying. I had this overwhelming sense of the things that I'd done. I had this overwhelming sense of sorrow because the Bible says that sorrow leads to repentance. This overwhelming sense of the person who I was, but at the same time, this sense that there was someone else underneath this person, just trying to get out, trying to be accepted, trying to be loved, trying to find some significance and some direction and hope in life. 
Uh, and just the presence of God just kept filling the cell. Now remember, I wasn't brought up in any form of religion at all. None. None. God wasn't mentioned. No, there was no, 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 nothing. No Sunday school. I actually broke into a church on Waldegrave Road. I, again, I apologise for it. Felt really bad. Terrible. You know, just thinking about it now, I could get through little spaces. But I'm so amazed at who God is and what he's done. No one told me that this was God, but I was, there I was on my knees, tears. God, forgive me, I'm so sorry. You, you become aware of who you are. You're, as it, Isaiah said, when he saw the Lord, he was undone. And I was a young boy, undone, in the presence of a gracious, <coughs> merciful, holy God who was reaching out to me. Now, as you know, such a wonderful encounter. I'm sure I was walking on water after that. Went up, the, the, uh, it was after, this went on for about 10 minutes. The presence of God just went, woof, disappeared at the cell. That was it. it was, again, it was one of those moments where it, you couldn't, mm, I wonder what happened. It was like I could physically feel the, pre, the, the spirit of God, woof, go. I could feel it. Like, it was like so, a holy vacuum sucked the presence of God out. So I know it's a bit irreverent, but, but it's the only way I could describe it. And there I was left with a Gideon's Bible on the, on the side. So over I went, picked up the Gideon's Bible, started to read it, and threw it to one side. I did not understand what it meant. But that was the beginning of my journey. I got saved when I was 23 years old. Amazingly. Um, 49 years old now. And I can honestly say, as much as it's been difficult, because God doesn't leave you. It's not, I learned, it's not, uh, you know, this, this transition of floating, coming from uh, being a non-believer and then floating through life. I had to deal with lots of stuff and still do to this day. But God is faithful, that I know. And I know that God is reaching out. I know that God calls us to reach out. And do you want to throw the, the not the second one, that's the one I've missed, Rick, as I did tell you I would do. So that was, if you do the last one, please. This is the scripture that came on my heart. And I know we know it well. So let me... Let's read it anyway. I searched for a man among them to, re can, can, can say? to repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I should not destroy it. But I found none. If you read through the book of Ezekiel, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you are familiar with what precedes this verse. And what goes before it is God highlighting, like I was in that cell, all the things that was wrong. All the righteous judgments that God was ready to pour out. All the things brought to light. But God was looking for someone to stand in the gap. And that's what he's doing now. He's looking for us 
to stand in the gap. Whether it's for the Breakthrough Trust, if you're interested in being a mentor, if you, if you want to give, you can give. We can get it gift-aided, or you can go, go online and do it that way. If you're an employer, I really want to hear from you. But if it's not the Breakthrough Trust, it's Bromley Town. This is your church. And you are that spiritual brick, as it says in Peter, that's been fitted together in the temple. This is God's spiritual temple. And it's the Spirit of God that distributes gifts accordingly to build up this body, to be a part of this body. So I just want to encourage you, be built up, get involved, get plugged in. What's on your heart? People sometimes ask, I don't know what God wants me to do. What is his will for my life? It's a big question, that one, isn't it? What is my... And God's like, wow, that's a bit too much. How about what's on your heart? Why don't you start where you are? Why don't you start where you are right now? And you're going to find out, because I'm going to reveal it, because it's a spiritual gift. And you'll find that you'll have your place, because God has called you here for a purpose. And it's not just to turn up every Sunday and the worship is fantastic, really good, really, really amazing presence. But it's to be connected. It's to be fitted in. And that's the only way that we can grow. So I thank you so much again, Jonathan. Thank you, church, for being so gracious and kind and letting me loose. And I'm sure now you've adjusted to my style of communication. So like I said, if you need any info, Jasmine and my lovely wife will be there. Thank you. The reason I wanted you to hear that testimony is because it helps us to believe that God can do things that we think are impossible. You think of a man who had nothing to do with God, no background of God, no reference to church, and yet in a prison cell, the presence of God can come and bring transformation. That is the God that we are serving in each of our situations. And whether it's where you're thinking about, as I do with my son, or you're thinking about people in your family, brothers, sisters, mums, dads, children, who seem so far away in their own prison cells, but as we pray that his presence can still come, and can do what we cannot do. Whether it be about sickness, and we know about that here, about the impossibilities that it seems, in those prison cells, his glory is still able to come. And when I met David, I met a man, and I can tell it straight away, the Spirit of God has touched this man because he's got life on the inside, because Jesus came to bring living water and he imparts living water into our souls. And when we see that living water, that these are believers, these are people we can stand with. And that's why I want us to stand with David and what he's doing to be encouraged by it, whether we're involved or whether we're praying for him. And whether there are people who want to be involved, get involved. Because we want to see people's lives being transformed. Thank you, Jasmine, for the work that you're doing, giving up time. It's tremendous. You're serving the community. You're serving people. And we bless you for that. And we want to see others involved in that. Let me just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to pray for the Breakthrough Trust. We want to thank you, Lord, 
for the work that you have called David to do. We want to thank you for those that are working alongside him. And we pray, Father, that doorways will be open across this borough, that many people who are locked in ways of behavior, of patterns of life that they have been, that's been forced almost upon them, that they've become uh, used to without them being the right way of life. We pray, Father, that they might find freedom. We pray, Father, for mentors that have the ability to direct souls into new life with Jesus Christ. We thank you that you came to redeem and to save and to forgive and to change. And we thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us and for the fact that you are still here at work today. Lord, we ask for your blessing to be upon David and his family and this mission. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bless them, that you would help them, and that you would encourage them. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Sarah.